Good morning, church. Good morning. You're very welcome to our service here this morning at Living Hope Belfast. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand as I read from the Word of God before we start our worship this morning. So let's stand together and prepare our hearts for worship this morning. Psalm 121 says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he, keeps, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper and the Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Let's worship together, church.
Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I just want to say thank you to the worship team. They, kept, they were practicing this morning as I came in. Rebecca was asking me who's leading the table, and I says, I was. And I said, Rebecca, I have a, a tune on my mind all week that it hasn't left me. I've been singing it or trying to sing it. I've been singing it when I've been working on the aircraft and work. I've been singing it when I've got wise. I've been singing it in the mornings. I've been singing it in the evening. It just, it just hasn't evaded me. And church, I want to encourage you this morning to enter into this time of worship, but to give thanks with a grateful heart. Church, we have so much, so much to give thanks for. Some of us have had a, a bad week, a terrible week, a week where we haven't been well, a week where there's been trouble maybe in work or at home or whatever we're going through. But listen, church, we've come this morning to give thanks. His church, let's give thanks. Our sins are forgiven, washed in the blood of the Lamb this morning. Let's give thanks. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks. Why? Because He's given us His Son. Church, is not wonderful this morning as we come around the table? It's not wonderful that our sins have been washed away by the blood of the Lamb, that we can be called the children of God, the sons and daughters of the Most High? What a privilege to be in here in the presence of God this morning, church. That we can shake ourselves. Lord, I know what I've been through this week. I know what I have endured, but I will come in. I'm an overcomer in Christ this morning. And I'm going to come with my worship. I'm going to come with a grateful heart. As we come around the table, church, we just want to be lost in his presence. We want to be lost in his worship. So let's sing it again. As we come around the table, give thanks with a grateful heart. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord.
more time just the voices. church you can sit or you can stand whatever you want but we're coming around the table this morning of the Lord first Thessalonians 5 16 to 18 and we know it we can nearly rhyme them off our lips first 16 says rejoice always pray continually Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I left out two words. Do you know what it says? For you, 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 for you. Amen. Amen. Nobody's excluded. Nobody's excluded in this place this morning. Oh, church, isn't it good to be here? Isn't it good to sing his praises, to worship him, to come around the table? Because this is the will of God for you. This is the will of God for me. When we come to our Tuesday night prayer meetings, we're encouraged to pray continually. We've read this out in our Tuesday meetings. Pray continually, church, and that's what we do. Rejoice always. We come in every meeting. And it's either that there's a whole big band of worship team, Jackie and his team, and Rebecca and our teams. Listen, we come and rejoice always. But it says also to give thanks. To give thanks, because this is the will of God for you. Oh, hallelujah. 
Blessed be your name. If you're a visitor this morning, we bid you welcome. It's lovely having you here in Living Hope Belfast. We use these wee containers. And we've got familiar with them over uh, the COVID period. But there's two lures to it. You peel back the first lure, it will reveal the wafer. You peel back the second lure, it will reveal the juice. And if you love and serve the Lord this morning, please feel free to take off the emblems. And join us around the table. Oh, hallelujah. There's just something. It does our hearts good when we sing, doesn't it, church? There's something just that the Holy Spirit does. And we've been singing it. Let the weak say, I am strong. And you maybe felt weak this morning walking into this church. As our faces differ, our needs differ, and we don't know what's going on, but God knows. But when we sing, when we give thanks, when we carry out the will of the Father, just something happens. There's just something happens. And it's all because of the presence of God's in this place. And when the twos and threes are gathered in thy name, there will I be. So God is here. And God knows. And God wants us to rejoice this morning, regardless of our circumstances. Because we can say when we walk out them doors, I am strong. Not because of what Francie said or anybody else, because of what God has done and touched you this morning in Jesus' name. We're going to come around the table. We're going to read some scripture. We're going to pray and we're going to take bread together. And as I said, if you love and serve the Lord, please feel free to take off the emblems. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 says, For I have received, for you and I have received of the Lord. That which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when given thanks, he break it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Oh, hallelujah. At this stage, I normally pray. Is there a brother or sister in this place this morning would like to do that this morning? Is it? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's take the bread together. Blessed be your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And after the same manner also, he took the cup. And we had stopped saying this cup is the New Testament, the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it 
in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come. Is there someone else would like to give thanks for the cup this morning? Oh, blessed be your name, Lord. take the cup together, church. Praise God. Let's stand and worship together.
Amen. Thank you, team. I wonder if you know Jesus as your personal Savior. I wonder if you have experienced that darkness to light. If you've experienced that saving of your life. If you don't know what that looks like, if you don't know what that means, can I tell you, it is the greatest privilege that, that the one who has formed this, the one who holds this all together, is the greatest privilege to be called his son, to be called his daughter. And he truly, he truly does save lives. Jesus Christ and the redeeming work that he did on the cross, as has been said this morning, that was for me. It was for you. Who are we? But we are his creation. He loves us. He has a plan for our lives. And, and today, if you don't know Jesus as your savior, I hope that this morning would be a turning point. I hope that that has been presented to you already and you understand that you are not here by accident but you are here on purpose and for a purpose and that it is God would do a redeeming work in your life. Darkness to light. He brings dead things to life. Don't think that you are too separate from him. Don't think with the things that you have done. There's no way you, you, need, you, need to, you need to clean yourself up first before you come to him. Leave those things with him. See what God will do with them. Allow him to do a work in your life. That's what a testimony is. It's the story of God's grace extended to us, church. God is good. He loves us. He shows us grace, he shows us mercy, and what a privilege it is to be known as his. Church, we continue today with highs and lows, and I'll explain what that means in just a second, but I want to quickly remind people that there is no Tuesday night prayer meeting this week, and that is because it has been moved to Wednesday night. So if you would like to come and pray with us, then the Tuesday night meeting has been moved to Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. That's because there's a very special wedding happening on Tuesday. Congratulations to Glenn and Esther. And listen, I know the tradition is normally the Sunday before that's when we get them. Some people have brought eggs and all, but church, listen, we did it last week. And we can't risk any bruising. Esther's had her hair done. I think Glenn's had a touch of makeup. So you just need to, you just need to, you know, we've done that already. And the video evidence is there. Glenn's been taking down names. He's seen people, tins of cat food. I don't know who that would be. It wouldn't be a pastor in this church anyway. Speaking of which, obviously, Pastor Matt is not here this morning. All being well, he'll be here tonight. Um, he 
drove the bus to Rock Nations this week, so he set off on Thursday morning at 6 a.m., um, and then at 11 a.m. I texted him, well, how are you getting on? Uh, to which he replied, I'm on my fifth coffee. So that was the first day. All being well, he'll be back here tonight, church. But yes, it's good to be in God's house. And as I said at the start, highs and lows. This is the, the series that we've been looking at um, throughout July and now into August. And simply what this is, is we look at different people in the Bible and we look at their lives as maybe as a whole, or we'll look at moments in their lives. Um, we talk about their successes, and we talk about their failures. We talk about their high points, and we talk about their low points. And today, we look at Solomon, not to be confused with the Solomon that often wears a little Spider-Man outfit and crawls underneath the communion table. It's a different Solomon that we're looking at today, church. And we're looking at the life of Solomon. And when you hear the name Solomon, usually what springs to mind is wisdom. And I think that that's incredible. Because this man, this, this king that we're going to talk about, is, is known for the wisdom that God gave him. See, in his life, God did incredible things through him. And when we think of this man, we think wisdom. And that's because much of his life, much of his ministry, his service to God, it was, it was known for that. It was known for his wisdom. Yet he has his failures. He has his feelings. But as has been a theme throughout with the men and women that we have looked at, church, our failures, they do not define us. They are not who we are. And it's the same with this man, Solomon. His, his, his drawbacks, the things that he didn't do so well, church, they are not what defines him. It's what God did in his life. It's the remarkable work that God did through his life. That's how he's remembered. Church, allow me to pray, and then we'll begin to look at Solomon. Lord, I thank you for a gathering of your people God, I pray that today as, as I would speak, would you, allow, would you allow us to look past me and to see your son, to see you, God, would you, would you speak through me? And Lord, as we would look at your word, would it come to life because your word tells us that you have breathed it to life? God, I pray that today, would you shape our hearts? Would you teach us something? Would you move us in a way that would make us more like your son, Jesus? Lord, we pray that your name would be glorified above all things that we do in this house. And through your word, God, would you take glory? Would you bless it? It's in your son's holy and precious name we ask for these things. Amen. Amen. church Solomon. Solomon, as I said, was a king. He was the third and last king of the United Kingdom of Israel. He followed King Saul and King David. He was the son of David and Bathsheba, and his reign was 40 years. And we talk about highs, we talk about lows. 
What are, what are the highlights of Solomon's life? Later on, we're going to look at a few things that we, we can be taught, that we can maybe apply to our own lives, lessons that God would teach us through his word and through the life of Solomon. But we just want to quickly look at the, the progression of his ministry, of his life, what that looked like, and what are the highlights of Solomon's life. Well, when he ascended to the throne, he became king. And the Bible tells us in 1 Kings that he sought after God. And God gave him opportunity. He gave him the opportunity to ask for whatever he wanted, whatever he needed in order to bring God glory. And he acknowledged that he had an inability to rule well. And so unselfishly, he asked God for wisdom. He asked him for the wisdom that he would need to rule God's people well. When God offers, offers on a plate, what is it that you would like? God, give me wisdom. Help me, because without you, I am helpless. And God gives him wisdom. He gives him wealth. He gives him the rain. And in fact, it tells us in 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 23, King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. Imagine that. Not only did he have all of the things, not only was he the richest amongst the kings of the earth, but also he had all the wisdom to know what it is that he should do with that. God makes him a wise man. And God also gave Solomon peace on all sides. And again, that's described there in 1 Kings. He has peace on all sides during most of his reign as king. His wisdom was renowned. And, and we talk about it today because they spoke about it then. He was known for it then. And in fact, 1 Kings 10, it records the queen of Sheba. She traveled 1,200 miles to verify the rumors of his wisdom. In that same chapter, it also records in verses 3 to 5 that Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for this king to explain to her. And when she saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. Other earthly royalty were overwhelmed by all that this man had. Other kings and queens looked at him and said, wow. That was the reputation. And when they, when they met with him, when they saw him, he lived up to the hype. This was all that God made him. All that God did through his life. And he proved not only to be knowledgeable, but to, but to have put his wisdom into action in the way that his kingdom would function. 
He was a good king. He was a writer of Proverbs. He was a writer of songs. And he completed many projects that needed to be done. He completed building projects. He used his wealth to see that through. See, Solomon, he also built a fleet of ships. He acquired tons of gold with Hiram, king of Tyre, as a partner. And perhaps Solomon's most important building project was completing the Jewish temple per the instructions and provisions of his father, David. So he has all of this. He has all the wisdom he could ever need. He has all of the stuff that he could ever ask for. And for the most part, for the majority of his reign, he uses it to good effect. He does what God would ask him to do with all that he has given him. And just on that, there's a lesson there. None of us, none of us have the wealth that this man had. Or at least I don't think any of us do anyway. If you do, you're not tithing it, I'm just saying. So we would notice that. None of us have the wealth that this man possessed, church. But with what we have, with what we are blessed, what do we do with that? Do we extend God's kingdom? Do we serve God's people? Because we can't turn around and say that we do not have enough. God has given us all that we would need to be his witnesses on earth. So practically, with what you have in your hands, do you use that for the glory of God? Do you recognize that all of the things that you possess are not yours? We only have what we have because of his grace. But yes, back to Solomon, who had it all, wisdom and grandeur, he had all of the things, all of the riches, and still the Bible describes that Solomon had 700 wives. He had 300 concubines, many of them foreigners who led him into public idolatry. And this greatly angered God. It disappointed him. I think sometimes we, we read that, this idea of 700 wives, this idea 300 concubines, 1,000 women. And I think sometimes people find that it's, it, can, it can seem, I don't know, it's, sometimes it's put across as a bit lighthearted or that there's some humor in that. He entirely disobeyed God by doing this. Because God told Solomon that he would remove the kingdom from him but for the sake of David, would not do so during his lifetime. He also promised not to tear the whole kingdom away, but in the meantime, God raised up adversaries against him who caused trouble for the remainder of his life. Jeroboam, who had become the first king of Israel, also began to rebel against Solomon, but he fled. The kingdom was then divided under Solomon's son. 
Church, there are so many lessons that we can learn from the life of Solomon. And what we don't want to do is we don't just want to give you the highlights. Because that is not people. People are not all highlight reels. We are not all mountaintop moments. We are not all successful. And the reason we are not is because we are not God. But we are God's. We are God's people. We are his. So church, what do we learn from the life of Solomon? Well first, when we seek God with all our heart, he will be found. I want to read some verses here from 1 Kings in chapter 3. And it says, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David, his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. In those few verses... We read humility on the part of Solomon. Because what, what I said at the beginning there, the first, the first kind of thing that we can take away from this, from the life of Solomon, and I'm sure there's, there's many more lessons than I am going to teach you today. But one of the things that we see is when we seek God with all our heart, church, he will be found. That is re reiterated throughout God's word. And it was true in the life of Solomon. It tells us at the beginning of the passage that we just read that Solomon loved the Lord. He simply comes to God devoted to God. He comes in an act of worship. And he comes loving God for all that he has done before and all that he is doing through his life. Solomon loves the Lord. And he wants to live his life serving him. He sought after God through service and offerings. And God then appears to him. God appears to his servant Solomon. God says, ask what I shall give you. Can you imagine that? Imagine that God says to you, what do you want? Ask, what is it that I can give you? And simply because Solomon loves him 
and he wants to serve him. He asks for the wisdom to do so. He just, it's almost as if he simply says, God, what is it that you want me to do? Give me the wisdom to help me know that. To know how to best serve you and your kingdom. See, God is not hiding from us, church. He simply wants us to be devoted to him. To come to him first. When we say that when we seek God with all our hearts, he will be found. It is not that he is hidden because he is there always to be found. Church, we simply must knock the door and it will be open. There is access for you. Again, as was said this morning, for all of us, there is access. The second lesson that we can learn from the life of Solomon is those who honor God will be honored by him. And we read again in 1 Kings in chapter 3, and God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life, or riches, or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. God was gracious to this man. He looked at him with a heart that wanted to glorify him, and he gives him all the wisdom that he would need, all the discernment that he would need. God honored Solomon in what he gave him. God honored Solomon in what he does not give him. God honors us in what he has already given us. God honors us in what is to come. The, as, I, as I said there at the beginning, those who honor God will be honored by him. Now God will honor us on earth. He already has. Look back to what you've been given. And beyond that church, Ultimately, in this world, we will have trouble. But we have honor to come in his kingdom. And we are honored to have been the subject of his love through the sacrificing of his son on the cross. That is where God honoring us began. Who am I that God would send his son? to die on the cross. Church, God will equip us to accomplish the task he calls us to if we will rely on him. In, in 1 Kings chapter 3, immediately following the verses that we just read, Solomon's wisdom was put to the test. He was put on display for all of Israel to, to behold to understand what it is that God had just given him. So following these, these verses, what happens is there's two women 
that come to him and they have a child, but both are claiming that the child is theirs. One lady says, it is mine. The other says, it is mine. So, King Solomon, what are you going to do about this? Because we were the only two women in that house. We're the only ones who know whose son this is. So what does he do? Solomon says to them, cut the child in half that they could both have half. Each knowing that his true mother would rather give up their child than to watch them die. So as, as the true mother comes forward and says, it's okay, she can have him. Solomon says, that's the child's mother. God had equipped him. When there's, when there's no other witnesses, when there's no other people around, when, when the circumstances seem so confusing, God had equipped him. And can I encourage you that God has equipped you. You need to humble yourself before him. Trust in what he has given you. Believe in the word that has been spoken to you. If he has called us to something, he will give us what we need to do it. And maybe you already have it. Maybe you already have what you need. What are you waiting for? Now, church, we don't have the discernment that, that Solomon is described as having. At least if, if you do, I'm not aware of it. So, yes, we must be sure. With a word from God, it must be clear in his word. It must be clear from other believers who know you, who know the journey that you've been on, and who know God. God will give you clear direction, and then he will equip you to accomplish the task that he has called you to do. The spiritual life, church, is a marathon and not a sprint. A good start is not always enough to finish well. We're going to read some verses that, uh, that I described earlier on. It says, Now King Solomon, he loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Adamite, Sidonian, and Hittite women from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them. Neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David, his father, had done. Church, 
the spiritual life is a marathon. There will come times in our lives when what we are offered seems so much sweeter than what we have. Can I tell you that that is just so far removed from the truth at times? If what you have is within the will of God, then it is the greatest thing that you could ever have. If what you have is being faithful to God, then do not give that up for anything or anyone, any riches of this earth. They pale in comparison, and we'll come on to that later. But church, it is simply not true that the grass is always greener. The grass is greener where you water it. So work with what you have, what God has given you, and do not be led astray. The things that you will be offered, the, the different paths in life that will be presented to you, they always seem like good options. Not necessarily. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. He will direct your path. Church, we're coming to the end here. We can sincerely ask God to incline our hearts toward him. But we will wander off the path of righteousness if we choose to violate his revealed word. Again, 1 Kings chapter 8, 57 to 58. The Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us or forsake us that he may incline our hearts to him to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his rules which he commanded our fathers. This is a prayer of Solomon. The guy who would eventually go on the wrong path. Who would eventually move away from God. Actually to the point where he's worshipping and idolizing other gods. Above the God who he has seen. Above the God who has given him everything that he could ever want. He goes in a different direction. But he has prayed. Incline our hearts. Pray that he would incline my heart. It's a prayer from Solomon, a man with wisdom, with status, with a purpose, being lived out for God and still, church, still, because he did not hold on to the word of God, to the word from God, he wanders. He wanders, church. He prayed, incline our hearts to him. He had loved the Lord before. And he wanders on a path that God had not blessed. The final two, number six, those closest to us will affect our spiritual lives. And we must therefore be very careful of the company we keep. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33. 
do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And what I don't mean by this is, I don't mean that we, we aren't to... We aren't to speak or socialize with the unsaved. I don't mean that we are to keep ourselves entirely away from those who don't know God. That's not our calling. We're called to be separate from the world. We're not called to isolate ourselves from the world. We need to be witnesses on the earth, but be careful. Be careful who you spend your time with who you give yourself to, be careful and be aware that what seems good for you is not always good for you. Again, pray and trust in God. Don't just think, I'll be all right. Because with all his wisdom, with everything God had given him, even having met with God, Solomon is still led astray. Who do we allow to affect our lives, church? And finally, life lived apart from God will be meaningless, regardless of education, fulfilled goals, the greatest of pleasures, and the greatest abundance of wealth. Life apart from God, the Bible describes in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 as being meaningless. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. The things of this world mean nothing apart from God. The greatest thing that we can ever possess, the greatest thing that we can ever hold on to is the fact that we are his. On this earth, we have nothing. Church, life lived apart from God will be meaningless. It seems so good. All the things that we have, all that we hold on to, it seems like life is sweet until it's not. And I don't mean to discourage you. That's not what I want to do. I just simply want to tell you and remind you that the greatest thing that you could ever have is a relationship with Jesus Christ. The greatest, the greatest accolade, if we want to call that, that we could ever receive is being called a son or daughter of the King. I praise God that I don't know it all. I rely on him. And I encourage you, church, to do the same. Know God's word. And let Jesus reign over your life. Let him work through you. Let him work in you. Trust in the direction that he is taking you. And know who you are. If you do not know Jesus as your personal savior, you don't have anything. But God is here offering you everything. He offers you life. He offers you light. He offers you a love that is incomparable. He offers you peace that is unfathomable. He offers you eternity. And all you need to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. 
Accept that you have sinned and you need grace for that. Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you'll be saved. I'm going to invite the team up. Allow me to pray, church. Lord, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for whose we are. We thank you for the confidence in knowing that you are working, God. I just pray that in our lives, as we would leave this place, would, would you guide our path? God, the direction that we would go in, would it glorify you above all things? And God, I pray that today, through your word, would you inspire? Would you open our eyes and would you help us to be your witness on earth? It's your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Church, let's stand and worship.
church, let's close in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for this time spent in your presence today. We thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. We thank you for your son Jesus that was sent to die for our sins, for the things that we could pay for ourselves. God, we thank you for this message this morning. I pray that this would stay on our hearts as we go our separate ways. That we would pray for your wisdom, knowing that we cannot do everything in our own strength, knowing that we are nothing apart from you. I pray you would keep that on our hearts as we go our separate ways and you would bring us back safely, safely this evening. In the name of your precious son, Jesus.